Behind the Scenes with Cody Bogart, Aviation, Army, and Hello Girls, or Hello Girls series, an exclusive interview. Join us for this riveting conversation with Cody, the accomplished CEO of KB Solutions, LLC, with an illustrious career spanning over 19 years in safety aviation and operations, Cody brings a wealth of knowledge and experience. As a former U.S. Army warrant officer and aviator, she has seen the industry from all angles. In this exclusive interview, she shares her journey and the passion that fueled her to write the book series, Hello Girls or Hello Girls. We'll have to ask her how she likes to pronounce that, but it's really really cool. She dives deep into the beautifully intertwined stories of the people involved in this creation and the inspiration behind it. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let me share with you a little bit more about our beautifully impressive woman that we have here on the show today. Cody Bogart is a CEO of KB Solutions LLC with over 19 years of experience in aviation safety and operations. She's a former U.S. Army warrant officer and aviator who served the Operation Iraqi Freedom, earning two air medals and a... Uh, Sikorsky Rescue. I'm also going to have to ask her about that award because I cannot pronounce it. She has logged over 2,500 accident-free flight hours across various fields, including aviation safety, flight training, maintenance, test flights, helicopter, air, ambulance, and aviation law enforcement. My goodness. As an expert in safety management systems, she works with trainingport.net, Spider Tracks, and the New Zealand Trade and Enterprise Government. Cody is pursuing her aviation doctorate at the Florida Institute of Technology, where she also earned her master's in aviation safety. Graduating summa cum laude, <laughs> and she holds a bachelor's of science in aeronautics with a minor in helicopter safety from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. My goodness, Cody, that was a mouthful. Please help me welcome Miss Cody to the <laughs> Wellness Driven Life Show. Hi. <laughs> Hi, April. How are you? <laughs> I'm fabulous. And my goodness, that was probably one of the most difficult 
things that I've read so far, maybe it's just a day, but you know, you're going to be able to explain it so much more beautifully to us. And it is so impressive. So impressive. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm, uh, I don't know how to sit still April, so I just keep going and I find things to do until I, I get bored and then I try something new. Um, and it's Sikorsky, um, after Igor Sikorsky, he developed, uh, where that company developed the Blackhawks. So the UH-60 Blackhawks, Mr. Sikorsky. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you know, again, you're going to be able to explain this so much better than me. Let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Tell us about yourself, Cody. Yeah. So um, I've been in aviation for 19 years, nearly 20 years. Uh, I can't believe I've been in this industry as long as I have. I, I remember the first day I was on a black hog for a, a morale flight and I still have a picture of it. I should have sent it to you. Um, I was nothing but chiclets. Like my eyes were closed because my smile was so big. Um, <laughs> I just, I just loved being up in the air. I love the team camaraderie that happened. I love the the feeling in my stomach as we lifted off the surface. And that still stays with me to this day when I'm in an aircraft. Um, I've just taken that journey and I, I just haven't stopped. Uh, years ago, the United States helicopter safety team made a commitment to reduce accidents in um, helicopters. So I've kind of taken that on it as my own little ethos and somewhere to carry forward. Like what can I do to make a difference in my industry? So, you know, I, I read a lot of accident investigations. I watch, sadly, a lot of videos where things don't go as planned. And I don't want to be that statistic and I don't want anyone else to be. So I really work hard to say, what can we do to make this safer so everybody can go home, hug their spouse, their kids, have a good night's sleep? Well, that's beautiful. And safety is also near and dear to my heart. And my husband's in safety. I come from law enforcement and that's all about safety. So I think it's great. And we're going to have a great conversation because of that. It's, you know, so many people are able to get really passionate about that because they see the horrors of the things that are possible. And it is certainly preventative. And so wanting to do and make all the changes that can prevent those things from happening, it, it becomes very important to us. I'm curious Absolutely. because I don't know a lot and maybe we can educate the audience as well as myself, but why or, or are the statistics with helicopter safety higher or greater than anything else and why? You know, I, I'm sure there's lots of reports out there and I'm sure I have seen some. I don't know if I want to specifically quote anything, but I will tell you, I, it's a perceived, you know, our number one issue is controlled flight into terrain. A lot of helicopter pilots, we get an instrument rating, but we don't actively use it. We fly uh, law enforcement in good weather conditions, firefighting in good weather conditions, or ambulance in good weather conditions. A lot of us in our industry don't actually fly in instrument flight conditions. In addition, when you go get your IFR rating, you're flying in an aircraft that's not even capable of going actual IFR when you're in training. So there's a, a gap there where you're not actually in the clouds being able to experience what it does to your physical body, your vestibular system. Um, so I think that's part of our challenge in the helicopter industry. Not only that, but then once you are in a bad weather condition, actually making the commitment to say, I'm in this bad weather condition, I'm going to level the aircrafts, I'm going to focus on my instruments, and I'm going to climb above it and get out of it and go somewhere else, like committing. So that's where we get that controlled flight into terrain where we slowly uh, scud run, it's the verbiage, but slowly scud run, unfortunately, into the surface or an obstruction. Well, 
that's that's a lot of that's above my head, but I think it's fascinating. And I can certainly tell how excited you are when you first talked about what it was like when you first got into a helicopter and how your eyes were closed because your smile was so big and and you really brought us to what that would feel like. And I think that that energy is really prominent with you. Yeah, I feel really bad about my fellow soldiers that day because I think I went on four or five morale flights in the crew chief seat and I did not I did not share that with anybody else. <laughs> but I loved it. Well, let's let's kick this off right. I mean, you have some really cool photos. I I'm just going to start with that because I think a lot of these photos are really cool and I want to bring them onto the stage that you shared with us just to give people an idea of what what this is like for you. Yeah, so this picture right here definitely shows a tired Cody. <laughs> I'm so exhausted. Um, but what I'm doing there is you can see the American flag is on my lap. And we, my team, I say we, we the crew, the teams, all of us um, on our forward support medical team would fly American flags and we would make a, a certificate. So we would do a combat air certificate uh, for family members or business things that have supported us. Uh, for example, St Starbucks sent us a lot of coffee. Uh, where we were. So we would fly a flag for them. And this is just me at the end of the day, writing how many hours I flew with that flag, you know, two hours, three hours, 1.2 or whatever it might be, and just logging that time. So when we went to go do the certificate, it would have the accurate amount of combat hours on it. Oh, I love that. I mean, the flag is, that's beautiful. And, and I, I would imagine that the hours that you had to put in I know from from certain fields that I've been in, the number of hours are so great. And because the lack of staff or what have you, or if there's a you know an immediate circumstance where we have to be present 24 hours and you know, just continuing on the clock because of the the given circumstances. So I know what that's like, the tired, but I love the flag aspect. Let's talk about this next photo here. So I think this was basically at the same time. So what we would do, though, um, that's where the flags, I'm trying to point to it. I don't know if you can tell, <laughs> but the flag is actually up between the windshield and the dash. And that's where we would put them to fly. So uh, they were the, the first at the scene to, to rescue anybody. And they were the first to come home, those flags. So that's just hey, a quick picture of, I guess, where we put them <laughs> while we would fly to make sure that they were secure enough. Yeah. Ah. Uh, this picture. <laughs> so um, I was in Iraq in 2006, 2007, and I was at a forward operating base or FOB called Adiwania or Camp Diwo, FOB Diwo. Uh, this is, I literally came over the berm from uh, Talil into Iraq, and this was my base. This, we literally just landed. This is my first time with my feet on my ground at my new home for the next year. Uh, and I, after this picture, I immediately got a a message with my captain and I, we were supposed to go pick up a patient and take them into downtown Baghdad. So this is literally my first time boots on ground in Iraq. Wow. I think <laughs> that it's fascinating that you have a picture of that day, the first day boots on ground in Iraq. What was that like for you? Could you explain what that, what that felt like to be an American outside of the country during the timing and just what, what did that feel like to you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was 2000, I'm sorry, it's 2006. So I was 26 years old, uh, naive, probably. I, when I went to flight school, I knew I was, as soon as right after I got home from flight school, I was going to be home for a few months. I knew I was going straight into combat. 
Um, I was excited about it, not not from a sense of being in combat, but I flew air ambulance. That's a completely different mentality. You know, mm. you're going in there to to rescue and to save and to help. And and I was I was elated to be able to do that mission. So that's I think that's probably why I have such a big smile on my face. I was so excited. <laughs> well, that makes perfect sense to me. And you know, it it's we want people like you to be going, right? You want right. people who are excited to serve, who are excited to, you know, help out and and perform at your best because of that. So I, I love that. Thank you so much for explaining that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. So, all soldiers have to get cheesy pictures, right? And this is my me in front of the Black Hawk, holding my American flag with all my gear. Uh, I know my, my chicken plate and my vests and all that stuff on to send home to mom and dad. Look at your daughter. <laughs> so, <laughs> I this you know this it's cheesy, but I I just love this one. It it embodies everything the the brownness in the picture because of the dust from the the deserts the the inlet barrier filters on top of the Black Hawk, the, the Red Cross, which means so much to me. Uh, so this one just always makes me smile. And I look so young. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's uh, such a baby. <laughs> well, you're proud. You're in action. And so it says a lot. I know that I, I chose this photo specifically to be the flyer. <laughs> Yeah. Or a part of it because this this is one of my favorites. I think that it is very telling, and it definitely shows that sense of pride with you. And so I, I, I feel like I'm this little warrior power animal that's like, just all right, let's bring this on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so all this being said, Cody, I'm fascinated. What what did you want to be when you were a little girl? I wanted to be an art. <laughs> I wanted to be an art professor. An art professor. <laughs> Okay. Um, I love art. To, to Army. <laughs> I love art. I wanted to be an art professor. Um, I was really good at watercolor. I've actually been in museums when I was younger, not remotely anything new. Uh, I still do wow. some stuff. I love to teach my kids. Uh, but I, for me, when I looked at the longevity of an art career, that's, there's not much there unless you sadly pass away. Um, or unless you want to be an actual professor at a college and teach, you know, do academia. And I, such a tomboy growing up. Uh, my brother was in the military. He was in the Navy for a while. And then I was like, I just, I like the military too. I think this would be a good foundation for me. So that's kind of the direction I, I went and I can still do artwork, but you can't be art, like an art professor and fly helicopters, right? But you could be a helicopter pilot who does art. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like you were really inspired by your brother. Yeah. He's, uh, he's three years older than me. He's a, he's a bit of a troublemaker, but, uh, he was, he was my best friend going up. He was my rock. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh every time you show a picture, April. <laughs> so this is me on top of the Blackhawk. Um, there's a platform up by the hydraulics deck and we were working on hydraulics. I can't remember specifically what we're doing, um, changing a servo potentially, but I, I wanted to be a maintenance test pilot. So I was always out there with my crew chiefs. I wanted to know what they were doing. I wanted to, to be involved. I wanted to know, let them know they're not alone. Right? I'm not just a pilot who thinks I'm above all. Like I'm there with you. And I, I love learning the mechanics of systems. And so the hydraulic system on the Blackhawk is one of my most favorite. So I was just always I, up there trying to help out. Well, I like that we bring this up because I, I feel we become so much better at the things that we do when we know all of the different pieces to it. Right. And you know, we are able to lead others in a better light and manner when we really know the experience that they're going through because we have experienced it because we have that knowledge. So really knowing all of these different things and aspects of a, of a certain field and area is, is an immense amount of value there. Right. And absolutely. And being the leader, you know, the pilot in command of that crew. So it was myself and other pilots, either one of us could be pilot in commands. We had two crew chiefs and one medic. And to let them know that, hey, I, I want to know what you do too, because you help me when I need it. So let, let me help you where I can, you know, and let me learn the system so we can troubleshoot things together and, yeah. you know, grow together. So, yeah. And you went on to lead many, many people. So yeah. <laughs> I would, I would love to know, yeah, what, how did that really benefit you in the long run? Yeah. So I, I like leadership. I think it's, it's a, it's a hard trait to learn sometimes, you know, you have to definitely be humble and you have to be willing to listen. You know, we were given two ears, two eyes and one mouth. And it's easy to, re to remember that we should just kind of close that one mouth and use the other two things to help us in leadership. And um, I've taken that really far without my career. And I've, you know, I've definitely benefited. And it's that time when I was in Iraq with those crews um, that really helped me cultivate that. I think that, that it's really, really important. And I ask that because you're right. Leadership isn't, isn't for everyone. It's not easy. And I like that you bring in that, that humble aspect piece to it. And, you know, really knowing exactly what they're doing, doing it alongside them. You've mentioned that a couple of times where I'm here with you and I will do it leading by example. I think that's truly the essence of leading by example is by showing them that, that you're not just commanding or ordering and expecting, but, but you're alongside them during the process. Yeah, we're all in that same aircraft together through the good, the bad, and the ugly. So yeah. uh, I, I value everything that my crew members have to say. Yeah. So here's another photo. <laughs> These are so funny. They just crack me up. So this is just so. Um, what we would do if you were the the first crew up for the day, we would go out in the morning. We would pre-flight our aircraft. We would do a run up to make sure all systems were good, and then we would stage our seating. Like, I want my seatbelt to be this way. I want my vest to lay out this way. Um, and this is just me kind of prepping all of that. 
um, before the flight. You can see I have my vest on, just making sure everything fits fine. I'm pretty sure I take it off soon after this and just set it on the seat and lay it out how I think it should be laid out. But that's just, you know, just another, another day. <laughs> our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Sorry, I was muted. So there was a lot of preparation involved. And what I'm, what I'm seeing and hearing is and tell me if I'm wrong, but is it similar to like somebody else getting into the driver's seat of a vehicle where you have to adjust the settings and the mirrors and all of the things right in order to maintain that safety aspect? But is it similar to getting in a helicopter? Oh, 1000%. So my nickname in the military was Smalls. 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 Because uh, everything I had was small. Like it was hard for me to get uniforms because I needed an extra small. Uh, my LC vest, my aviation support life equipment vest had to be special fitted when I was especially in flight school because um, they didn't have my size, my size. So everything was like super cinched down and tightened down. It's the same thing when you're in the aircraft, the seat goes up, up or down and the pedals come forward and aft. And uh, so, so the pedals had to be really forward in every time I flew, which uh, not all the way, but as soon as I left, I would put them all the way forward. So the next person really had to make an adjustment <laughs> just to mess yeah. with them. <laughs> oh, you know, it's so funny as we as we talk about our our past careers and the things that we used to do when we were younger and smaller, right? I I recall the same thing where I and you wouldn't know it now by looking at me as I've you know gotten older and larger in size, but yeah, having to to get things that were so much smaller and especially when the majority of of your team are men they're larger and so you know having to to readjust all of the equipment and everything i'm very familiar with so it brings back memories for me as well thank you for sharing that yes absolutely yeah so this this is literally one of my most favorite pictures cuz it's me all suited up um, you can actually see on my go bag, it says smalls on it, my go bag. So it would it encompass things like a t-shirt, some clean underpants, some socks, uh, food, um, a blanket, flares, things like that. So in the event that we had to do some sort of precautionary landing, um, I would have a go bag in the event it was needed. And I was always hungry. So I was always like stashing snacks in there anyway. <laughs> but, Ooh. you know, this is all suited up and and ready to go on flight. And I can't remember why this picture was taken, but I really love it. The only difference is that big panel that has, that says no handle that actually slides forward. So it would cover my torso. Uh, it's an armor panel. So if it was shot at, for example, the bullet wouldn't pierce it. 
Mm. See, those are great examples. I feel, Cody, thank you for talking about them because these are things that we wouldn't be thinking about and the, you know, people don't normally consider. And there's definitely all of these things to consider, especially when you are in positions that could go in a different direction very quickly. And so being, yeah, being the most prepared and uh, all of those things is really key. Tell me a couple of other things that, that you, that people wouldn't normally expect or think about in terms of safety features when you're in this position. Yeah. So I, I think when it comes to, I, I'm going to say helicopter specifically, I've never flown a fixed wing, so I can't speak to, you know, the, the jet pilots, but you're content. I imagine it's the same, but you're continually thinking about the what ifs, the emergency scenarios. What if um, I remember we would, I would play this game with my fellow warrant officers and it was jokingly called stump the chump, but we would be on top of the ha- aircraft, so, you know, near the engine or near the hydraulics. It would be like, if I took a bullet here, what would that show me on the flight deck? Once I saw that indication, what would I do? How would I feel on the flight controls? And it's continually just prepping yourself for those scenarios that have the potential to happen. And you just pray every day that they don't, right? So that's that's kind of how that works for me as I just continually run these models through my head of things that can happen. That way when they do, I'm not, I mean, you're, you're going to be a little startled, but you're not taken too back. You're like, I practice this. We can go through this. I understand. Um, and it makes everybody to, t- you know, better together when we practice those scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. So this was during a time in your life, it was your younger years, and then you went on to some more leadership roles and training, but you also now, let's concentrate on, on some of the things that you're producing and creating in the world now, because you have since written a book you have children or a child and and you've created this incredible book. And so uh, do you want me to bring that photo in now? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Let's bring this photo in because I think it's, it's really awesome. So I thought it was, I loved it when you're introducing it because I use Grammarly and of course, word tells me when I spell things wrong and it's Hilo girls for, you know, helicopter. Uh, but Grammarly and all those things tell me all the time that I was spelling words wrong. I'm like, no, no, this is supposed to be spelt this way. So it's it's Hilo Girls. Um, it's intended to be a series. So this is the very first book. And this is Abby. She's a, a firefighting pilot. I like that. So I got I got it right halfway. You did great. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but, you know, it, it also, in essence, it, it can have that double meaning, you know. Oh, you- Absolutely. Yeah. So you look at this, this girl who is waving, it's like, hello, hello. (laughs) And so tell us about this book, Cody, what is, what made you write it? What made you think of it? And the series aspect, what made you think to do a series and what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, I mentioned earlier, I'm just the type of person that can, I'm a body in motion, right? That's one of Newton's laws, right? Body in motion stays in motion. So that is me. Like I just continually moving forward and trying to do things. Part of that challenge is I don't fall asleep very well. So, um, you know, when I lay down in bed, I get frustrated. My husband, give him two seconds. He's out. I need like an hour and a half and then I might get sleepy. So well, um, I have to say, (laughs) thank you so much for saying that because it's not just me. And I really no. <laughs> heard and seen and not alone right now because I get that. My little spirit animal heart for you. Um, no, it's like, because we're just, I think we're driven and we're constantly thinking, how can I be better tomorrow than I was today? So I, 
I'm, what happened today? Did I like how it happened? It's, it's just this weird talk that I go through in my head. But um, so um, I have a stepson who's 15. I have a daughter who is 12. And then my husband and I have a son who is, uh, he'll be six here in a week. So when my daughter oh, wow. was 12, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. There's a bunch of us, animals, cats, chickens. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> So when she, when my daughter was younger, I, she was always in the aircraft. I mean, I joke all the time with when I was a chief pilot with my flight instructors mm -hmm. that she had more flight time than they did because she, I flew until I was like a week and a half from having her, mm -hmm. um, which I think was a lot of fun. I can't wear to sh I can't wait to share that logbook with her as she gets older and becomes a young woman herself. But I would try to find books about helicopters, and there's some really good ones. You know, they're really cute. There wasn't a lot. Um, I would get frustrated with some things. For example. It would be a rescue mission and the pilot would fly out, but it was also the pilot who would be hoisted down to save the person or whatever. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Who's flying the aircraft? And so I wanted things to mimic reality, but still be, you know, jovial enough to, to capture the spirit and heart of a young child. Uh, years later, so I have my son. It's kind of the same thing. The books are great, I, but they just didn't, for me, follow a logical se sequence, especially for me. When it comes to safety, I really wanted that to be safety yeah. forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, tell me some of the, the safety things that you talk about in this series. Yeah, so Hilo Girls follows a very logical sequence. Um, I refer to the, the child reading the book with their parent or whomever, you know, as the observer. And, it, you know, it says, hey, who are you? This is my name. We're going to call you the observer. Thanks for being on our team with us. And then it takes the, the reader through a pre-flight and talks about, you know, generically the bits and pieces of a helicopter. I don't go too in depth based on the reader's age. From there, it's like, let's go meet the crew. So let's go talk to, you know, let's go meet the, the ground controllers. This one's a firefighting. So the, the ground firemen, the ground maintainers, our fuel service. Uh, I even put in, you know, air traffic control in there. Let's go meet the crew and let's do a pre-brief, which is probably the most important part, I think. There are a ton of mnemonics out there or acronyms that someone can follow when it comes to a pre-brief. Mm -hmm. So I just chose uh, something called PAVE and it's pilot aircraft, environment and external pressures. Simple word for young readers to, to follow. So then you go through Abby on all of these uh, th through this acronym, right? So pilot, she's like, hey, I'm Abby. I'm your pilot. Um, I've had a really good rest. You know, I've, I've taken care of everything. I'm good to go for today. Next thing is the aircraft. Yes, we did a pre-flight. It's going to meet all of our limitations, um, you know, with our performance requirements for this mission that we're about to go on. It talks about the environment. So it's a really beautiful day for them. They're in rolling hills. So it mentions that. And then any external pressures, which I think is really important to emphasize today. In this case, the external pressures are, hey, we really want to go help these ground crews put out this fire. So that's our pressure to make sure that we calibrate ourselves, if you will. And then they go on the mission. And what I really like about this is that I read this with my son. He engaged the book at every moment I wanted him to. Um, the, the reading, you know, has the child locate the fire. It has them locate the water source. It has them locate um, or give information on, you know, is our bucket full? It talks about before filling the bucket, you know, what are the hazards that are going on around this water source? You know, are there birds, power lines, where's the wind coming from, things like that. So it really gets the child reader engaged in thoughtfulness about what's happening through this scenario. And then they go do the mission and they come back 
and they do a debrief almost on the same acronym, like, and, you know, did it work out as we planned? What could we have learned? And then it goes into like, hey, thank you for your help as an observer. We look forward to the next mission together. So that will lead into the next series or next. Oh, that is brilliant. First off, I have to say, (laughs) I love it. I love everything that I'm hearing because I think it's brilliant because it truly does lead you. It has them thinking and not just being told or led along this story, but they have to really utilize their mind and their thinking skills and and how are they going to address this as if they are there. And yeah, yeah, it's so cool. So it not only does that, but but you're giving really practical aspects of things that could be potentials or could go wrong. It's it's like, what would we do if we had an emergency in our home and we start mm-hmm. to think about what are the escape routes or where's the you know the the fire hydrant or all of the things, all of the things that we should be thinking about and should be aware about with our surroundings that we're frequenting on a day in and day out basis. And so you really bring that to light, and it, it makes it very exciting. So I love that. And thank you. The debriefing part is spectacular as well. And it's well, interesting. Go ahead. No, I was just. I really wanted the correlation. So like when I read a book with my children. I, I close the book, you know, at the end, I'm like, okay, so what did we read about? What did, you know, what did you think? What did you like? What did you not like? What did, what was the story? And so when they were young, they don't get it. And they get older, they started to correlate and get things. And so I really wanted that with the reader. Like, what did we just do? Did it make sense to do? Did you like the mission? Was it successful? So yeah. I really wanted to tie that in. Yeah, I, I think it's great because when we start to learn to think that way and to debrief, I mean, of course, the the first responding military, all of those fields are familiar with that, but not many people are. And I, I said it was interesting that it came up because it has been, interestingly enough, in like the corporate arena that there is not enough debriefing. So I think it's fabulous that you're teaching younger ears to start thinking about that. What did we learn? What were the big takeaways? What impacted you the most and how are you going to apply it? Right. So it really gets those wheels turning. Uh, So I love that you're doing that. It's fascinating. Oh, I love this picture. This is the one my, my son, this is, I picked this one to share with you because this is my son's favorite picture in the book. Um, but this is actually, you know, this is uh, before the words and stuff are on the page, but it's talking about what are the cues? Where are the winds? You know, where's the wind coming from? What direction is it going? And that's why you have the little mm-hmm. indicator on the, the bottom right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. And those yes. are all pertinent things that you totally have to know. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it was really interesting when I was going through the, the technical aspects with the illustrator. There was one, she did a really good uh, picture, but the helicopter was had a tailwind as it was coming to fill the bucket. And I was like, I am so sorry, but I need you to change it so the helicopter is going this direction. I kind of drew an arrow for her to, you know, to show her the direction that the aircraft needed to take off to, uh, because there's a lot of technical stuff that you don't really think about if you're not in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So very cool. Very cool. I, I like the art and I agree with you. I would I would be contacting the artist as well for the same person purpose because you you want it to reflect a realistic scenario. And th- if the wind is blowing this way, then this is what's going to happen in turn. And so I think that that is really cool. So Cody, that's wonderful that you're sharing all this with us. Now, you there is something very, very special about this show today. 
And we talked about it before, but you have received something in the mail today on this day that you're going live on the Wellness Driven Life Show. So you want to share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know how many of the listeners uh, or people who are watching have seen kids who open up things, right? So I've never been a fan of that. <laughs> um, my hands are sweating. I'm so excited. Uh, I recently received from the publisher pictures of like 2000 books on pallets on their way out to, you know, Barnes and Noble and to Walmart and to all these brick and mortar stores. And then she said, she's like, well, I sent one book to you. So I have not seen physically this book. I haven't touched it or smelled it, um, but it got delivered to my house today. I have not opened it. And I thought I could open it with you, April. That's fine. And your viewers. I, I would love that. This is the the magic unveiling of this very, very special moment with you. And I feel quite honored and all of our guests to be here with you now. It's like Christmas, but like way before Christmas. So of course, it's packaging and packaging, right? That's how things work. I love it. I've only got three packages deep so far. It's a delicate well, product. Is well secured. <laughs> yeah, well yes. secured. Very good. Yeah, me too. Oh, here it is. Oh, it looks really pretty. It's bigger than I thought. So pretty. I knew the, sorry, I knew the measurements and stuff, but wow, it is really nice to hold it in my hands. Oh, <laughs> it smells so good. Oh, I'm, I'm such a nerd. Oh, can I share something else with you? I've never shared with anybody. Yes. So the dedication, it, I'm going to see if I can get the picture for you here. I don't know if it looks backward on the screen to you. No, I can, we can see it. Yeah. Okay. So it says to my sunshines, I'll explain that. And then it says to those who love to explore, push buttons, take things apart and turn dreams into reality. Oh, so to my sunshine. So my son and daughter uh, I don't do it with my daughter anymore. She's 12. She would hate it now. But I still do it with my son to this day. From the day they were born, I sang, I sing, you are my sunshine every night before bed. So. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That is so beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Wave Thank hello. you so much for sharing <laughs> that with us. That is so cool. And I think I think we had a little bit of teary-eyed moment here, and as as there should be, that is really cool. Thank you so much for for honoring us with that. That is that's beautiful. I love that you have created this that that is really coming to fruition. You have a physical reality copy of this. This is real, and it's being launched out to the world. And I think it's brilliant. So thank yeah, you so I'm, much for sharing that. Um, yeah, and absolutely. by the way, you're not the only one that loves the smell of books. <laughs> it is. I love it. It's so weird. <laughs> Do you as well? I, I don't think it's weird. I think I think it's totally normal because, uh, well, I'm going to say that because I like it. So it's normal. I used to go to like this antique store when I was a little kid and this wall of these antique books. I mean, old, ridiculous books. And I would just sit there and smell all of them. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to bring in one of the comments. Manly says, this is a beautiful moment captured and reserved. Play it over Aww. and over. 
Yeah, thanks for letting me share. I, honestly, so uh, the company that was delivering it said it wouldn't get to my home until seven o'clock my time. I was like, oh man, I don't want to wait that long. But it came like, what, just a few minutes before we got online. And I was like, I could open it because <laughs> right? I didn't want to wait. <laughs> it was just meant to be. And so can you can you share with us? Can you open it up and share some of the some of the pictures inside there? Yeah, absolutely. So again, the pilot's name is Abby. And then it goes through her at the hangar real quick and going through uh, Pave. So that, that's a good one. So that's just, just so you can kind of see. And there's probably some glare from my lights. But it talks about her. This is the crew brief where she's going through and talking about each of the the, the things, uh, pilot aircraft environment and external pressures. Oh, this is my other favorite picture. Um, this is Abby looking at the observer and saying, hey, can you help us locate the fire off in the distance? That's as cool. And I'll do my last favorite one here. They're all my favorite. I'm not going to lie. Let's, let's be honest. I love all of them. Um, so this, this two pages are here. I'll show, but uh, one is like the aircraft dashboard. So they're actually flying back. Ooh, flying back to the. Oh, look how detailed that is. That is yeah, cool. She did, a, she did a great job. And this, this is a really good one. This is saying, hey, observer, like, thank you for all that you did. But it says, wonderful job, observer. We could not have done it without you. So yeah. it really, you know, brings that child into it to say, and it is, it's teamwork, right? And that's what we we talked a lot yeah. about today. So it really brings that that child into the book. Yeah. How do those pages feel? They look really soft and shiny. They're very shiny right now. <laughs> um, wait, I'm going to read this with my son tonight, and it'll look horrible tomorrow. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's supposed to be used in love. And I know. I can't wait. <laughs> no, that is so cool. I. You know what I love about that is when you were showing the pictures, it it looks, it appears, it's almost like I feel like I'm in the copter and, and I can see out. And I love that you have the hangar there, you know, where you can really feel like all of the, the real stuff is there, the things that you really need and use and experience and see. And so that's, that's really beautiful. I, I have to say to our listeners and viewers, everybody knows a child and Everybody's child should have this book because <laughs> this is this is stuff we all should know and we all should be teaching our children to, to have it. It almost reminds me and I and I and fail as a parent to to not really recall or or be involved in this, but it reminds me a little bit of Dora the Explorer, of how yeah. she really walked along the way and taught. Like you, you, there was a lot of engagement there. So I feel like you're offering and bringing to light a lot of engagement for kiddos here. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's exactly what I intended. So yes, the, the series is about girls, but when you actually read the book, it's, it's not about Abby. She, yeah, she's the, the pilot in command of the aircraft. She's running the show, but it's really about the mission and the different yeah. things that helicopters can do to help heal people. For example, in this one, you know, firefighting, helping the ground crews put out fires to, to save you know, numerous amounts of people and animals. That's the mission is what's important. It just happens to be a semi girls because girls yeah. are awesome. <laughs> I feel like you're going to inspire a whole new generation of people who, who really want to serve in that capacity and, and to be able to work together. I think that that's one of my favorite things about positions and fields like that is you learn how to work as a team 
you, you learn how to, to respond in an incredible manner when things are hard and things are scary and things are unknown and Mm -hmm. you're entering into a position of things that are happening so rapidly and, and, and because you have this big heart of servitude and you have your fellows next to you and you know that you're not in it alone, there's, there's this sense of being able to respond in, in a better light and, and hold that fear behind you in order to move towards the flames of those fires and, and into the mouth of the beast, right? So to speak, but it, it is it is not easy for everyone to do. And I feel like you're really bringing an inspiration here of that. Yeah, thank you, April. And you know this firsthand being law enforcement. Um, I'm only as strong as, you know, the person next to me, right? And so uh, the, the team aspect is super important. How we communicate together, how we work, each of us knowing our part in that process moving forward is, is super important. And I liked in this book, you know, the observer is locating the fire, the water source, helping know the bucket is full. Um, they're, they're part of that team. They're part of that success to be able to go do that next mission successfully, yeah. right? So ha- tell us what to expect with the book, because we have in the link, of course, if, if people want to pre-order, but when you, now you have the copy, you know that it's good to go. It's beautiful. When can we expect to, to be able to have our hands on a copy? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the publisher is Blue Balloon. You can purchase the book uh, currently. You can also go to Amazon and purchase it, but it's just up for pre-order. It doesn't actually get published and out for sale until January 16th. So if you pre-order it, you'll have it in your hands January 16th. Um, As far as the series goes, my intent is to do a, a, I don't know, as many books as my husband will be patiently (laughs) (laughs) supporting me to do, uh, you know, emotionally, right? So Um, I I expect five to seven books is kind of where I'm at in my brain right now. But each book is a different helicopter mission with a different female pilot. So the next one uh, right now, I believe, is going to be Salma. She's a Mediterranean Brazilian type of girl. Salma means uh, peace, if I'm not mistaken. I've I've been reading so many names, but I'm stuck on Salma right now. It's really beautiful. And Mm -hmm. my, my, uh, my son has asked for the next one to be law enforcement. So it'll be a law enforcement book. And I'm still working through. Uh, My name is the... April. <laughs> so, uh, we're gonna. Cool. I, I will write that down. I already knew that though. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I definitely have to hit air ambulance because that's near to my heart. And I'm gonna do Zuri, yeah. which is um, Eastern African name, and Zuri will be air ambulance. And then that's kind of where I'm at right now. There, I have other ones in my head, but as far as the names and knowing what I know, the girls are gonna look like in my head. So now when I can't sleep, I'm telling myself uh, about Selma's law enforcement adventure and looking to see what it is that she brings to light for us. So Cody, you're very, very intentional on the names and the cultural backgrounds, which is also brilliant. So kudos for that, because I, I really love, I think, especially when we're when we're looking to connect on this worldwide perspective, when we have so many different cultural backgrounds, you're so intentional with the names. Do you include the, the meaning behind them in the book? Do we get to know the secret behind the naming? No, I love that you asked that question because my brain says no. Right. Uh, Because I want it to be about the helicopter mission. But I think for me to write how she acts, her customs and her mannerisms throughout the book or emulates her culture. 
Yeah. Right? So I, I research and I study. Uh, actually, Selma is a woman I met at an event a couple of weeks ago. She was glorious and beautiful and shimmering. And I was like, I love your name. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, not right now, but um, I do. Oh, I have so many things in the work, not in the works, but intentions that I want to do. Uh, I'm driving my husband nuts about it. So I've actually been researching about making a doll. So the doll yeah. would encapsulate the persona of the actual girl. Um, but right now in my, in my brain, just how I picture things, it's just the, the helicopter mission. Um, yeah. More normalizing the fact that it's a girl. Like I don't see myself yeah. as a female pilot. I'm a pilot. That's yeah. that's it. Yeah. No, <laughs> so. but I love where head's going. And, and I, I can, we can go there. Let's go with more branding. Let's go with uh, things that people can. Yeah, no, the doll is great because you know how you, you get the, the little books and descriptions. Yep. And with each doll, you could have a, a an individual personalized story about yep. them if you really wanted to. I mean, you, the, the sky is the limit with this, right? Yeah. And I, and I do, I picture a, a cartoon series. I talk with my kids about it all the time. I'm like, what would they do? And how can we do this? And when do they interact? And um, I just, I see all of it. I can feel it in my bones. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but I'm excited for the adventure. I think the fact that you can feel it in your bones, this is definitely going to go. And, you know, another aspect too, is just like, we're here, we're having this intimate interview with each other and you're, you're, we get to learn all of those details behind the scenes of the creation of this. So that's another aspect and avenue of what you're doing just now in real time that you get to explain and share that with the world. And and we get to see that side of you. It's very cool. Absolutely. But I cool. love it. I'm, I'm excited. Again, I can't wait, wait to read it to my son tonight. <laughs> so he's read it numerous times just on a, a tablet or like a sketchbook or even just when it was a Word document. So he, <laughs> you know, I can't wait to. Right. But this is the, the intimate time where yep. it's, you know, on the couch or in a chair or in bed where where you get to have that experience with each other. Uh, and it and it's your creation. It's both of your creations because you really did it together and were inspired by your children. Yeah. Uh, so that's beautiful. I I want to bring in one one more comment. Manly says, uh, "Let's encourage children that they can do anything." I love the idea of this series. I hope to see many more. See, people are on board with this. This is a great idea. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Love no, it. I. Me too. I. I just. I just love helicopters. They're just an amazing, amazing machines. Um, And I believe when it comes to children, if they can see it, smell it and touch it, they might like it. Right. I mean, let's let's get them out. Let's get them push buttons on avionics. Let's let's let them sew the upholstery inside of a a jet aircraft. You know, let's let them see things and visualize it and smell the turbine engine. Right. So maybe there's an interest. Maybe there's not. But it at least expose our children to the thing so we so they can make an educated decision of where they want to go. Uh, Cody, it has been awesome to have you on the show. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience today? No, I just, uh, I mean, I could say so much all the time, but I really want to thank you for your time and the opportunity to, to talk about the book and share the opening with you, which I'm going to run around the house and scream for a little bit about. I'm so excited <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, but I think the sky's the limit. And I really do believe if people believe in themselves and have a good support structure around them, that they can do anything that they put their mind to. And especially our youth, again, see it, smell it, touch it, get in front of it. If you have an interest in it, you know, do as much research as you can, Um, especially as parents, you know, 
this, when it comes to the military, my family knew nothing about the military, but I, you know, I wish there was an opportunity for them to come with me to go talk to that recruiter. It didn't work out that way with me in my case. I went by myself, but you know, get involved in what your kids like, listen to them, and then try to find creative avenues to cultivate their passions, whether it's flying a helicopter, being a teacher, uh, being a, a, a chef, I don't know, but expose them as much as you can to what they're interested in to help them make a good decision for where they want to be. Because if they really have a passion and love for what they do, there's no doubt that that success will follow them. Uh, well said. Well, well said. <laughs> I love that. I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you. So it, you can connect with Cody on LinkedIn. Her name is displayed here. Also, those of you who are listening in the last name, I'll, I'll spell out the first and last name. It's K-O-D-E-Y-B-O-G-A-R-T. And so also you can find this in the description below. We always have our guest information there. Pre-order the book and give it to your children. Heck, why not have a copy for yourself? It's just a cool book. And it sounds to me like, like this is really going to become something very big. So you get to say, hey, I had the first copy of uh, this beautiful series and something that that turned into something quite large. And so Cody, it has been awesome to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing yourself, for sharing this incredible creation that you've made and all of the insights behind it for unboxing, unveiling, you know, all <laughs> the, the terms that we have with that, you know, for you to do that here on the Wellness Driven Life Show is pretty <laughs> awesome. And I feel, again, truly blessed and truly honored. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you as well, April. I appreciate it so very much. My pleasure. And for all of those of you tuning in, thank you so much. The show wouldn't be possible without you. Goodbye for now. We'll see you later.